You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, we are, of course, back at Addie's Tasting Room. Thank you again, Addie's, for hosting us, and we appreciate your continued sponsorship slash partnership because at this point, we um, we live here. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we'll start with introductions. We'll bring in our honorary guest, and then we'll dive into all things that... Honestly, I don't even know where to start because I'm so excited. A little <laughs> you, starstruck. Well, you said honored guest. So is the guest showing up yet or no? <laughs> is that me? I think it's sure you. Is. I'm here for the free beer. So fire away, guys. <laughs> so you want to introduce yourself for those that don't know you. Um, and then we can, I, I guess, say like a title or what you were probably best known as. Yeah. So uh, Stefan Mahailu, uh, former Erie County controller, uh, recovering journalist. It wasn't fake news back then, though, and I, it was immediate. It really wasn't. Bro. I mean, my first TV station was in Syracuse in 1993, and we were on typewriter. So the internet didn't even exist when I was in media. It wasn't fake news. Um, so now I'm working for a Republican national consulting co- uh, firm called Big Dog Strategies. And so uh, it actually used to be a clearance-based company, moved to Florida, mm. and we help uh, elect Republicans all over the country. Dad, husband, father of three, and uh, baby on the way close to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, congrats on that. Yeah, I said, but you got to help me find the guy that did it or the Amazon delivery guy. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, ask the mailman first. He's always at my house. (laughs) Any any other contractors show up on the regular? (laughs) Maybe fixing some drywall? I don't need anything fixed, but they're always at the house. It's crazy. (laughs) I don't get it. So we'll start with your story, um, and then we can bring in your your family story, because I think a lot of that drives some of your professional aspirations. can you just elaborate on that and then? Yeah, I am Ukrainian. You know, that's the one question people ask all the time. Like, what is Mahailu? Mm-hmm. And people say Hawaiian, the craziest things. But my whole family was born in Ukraine. They came to America in 1965. And I always say, I half jokingly say they learned the English language from the numbers 1 through 75 and B-I-N-G-O. That's how my family <laughs> learned. That was my Catholic education, bingo on Saturday nights. <laughs> um, and my family just told just horrific stories of suffering in order to come to 
America. I mean, my family went through hell to give me a better life in the United States of America. And that's why I don't take anything for granted. The gifts that we have, the freedoms that we have, we live in the greatest country in the world. And so I wanted to devote my professional life towards serving others, like giving back. Mm -hmm. And I did think that journalism in some respects was giving back because we hammered politicians, we held them accountable. but I didn't want to spend the rest of my life talking about what other people were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want to sit on my deathbed and say, wow, I, I was a witness. I watched other people do good or do things. And that's why I threw my hat in the ring to run for county controller. And it was a really good fix. I knew the budget like the back of my hand. I had that reputation of being a pit bull, of holding politicians accountable. And so for nine years, uh, I served as Erie County Controller. And now here I am. Having having a fine beer with you, gentlemen. Love Absolutely. It. Use that term loosely. <laughs> so you you said that it was difficult for your family to come here. Um, Brutal. I think a lot of people are kind of on the understanding of what it takes to come into the country nowadays. I think it's not as strict. Um, might be a little more loose. So, for lack of better terms, but do you know what they had to do? Yeah. Well, first of all, my my family lived right on uh, the Polish-Ukrainian border in a town called Hodiets. My grandparents were farmers, and during the war, Ukrainians who fled north are basically captured by the Russians. If you fled west, you're captured by the Germans. And my family fled west, uh, eventually conscripted, captured. Uh, and my family had to live. Uh, they were At that time, they were shipping refugees from the war to either uh, United States, Canada, Australia, or Brazil. And so at that time, they got shipped to Brazil, and it took them 20 years to basically save up enough money to come to the United States. And there's a huge Ukrainian community here uh, in Buffalo. And so we had a ton of family here already from the previous five years. And so my family, we call them OTBers, off the boat. I mean, my family literally is an OTBer off the boat. Uh, And they came here in 65. And I still have their papers. I mean, it was very extensive what they had to prove their mm. documentation, citizenship, what their job was. What, I mean, it was not like today. We can basically be an illegal immigrant, get a license, you can vote. Total opposite of that. So at the end of the day, it took my family 20 years to eventually come to the United States. Why did they pick this area? Just because of the population was already here and it yeah. was kind of like... So I grew up in, a, in an alley off of Fillmore. Um, and it's funny, we... My brother's now his wife, but then his girlfriend came from a fairly wealthier family. And the first time she came to our house, she goes, wow, you guys have a long, lovely driveway. <laughs> like, that's our street. Like, there's other people that live on our driveway. That's not a driveway. <laughs> and, but it was right at the corner of uh, Fillmore and Oneida, where our Ukrainian Catholic church was. So what brought us to Buffalo, my family to Buffalo, was the Ukrainian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also, to this day, we still have, uh, it's called Nipero Ukrainian Cultural Center. I mean, it's in the middle of Beirut. It's a Genesee in Jefferson, but I go there all the time. And uh, we have Adenashkola, our Ukrainian school, Sum, our Ukrainian dancing school. And so we're still very tied with our Ukrainian <clears throat> community today, just as it was when my family came over in 65. Do you know why Buffalo is such a hub for Ukrainians? Well, I mean, you take the whole Rust Belt area, and I, I, I believe it's jobs. It's that typical blue-collar, get here. My, my, my Dida, my grandfather, worked in a barrel factory. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of other Ukrainians who worked at the Ford plant. I think it might be like the – because there is a huge Ukrainian community as well in Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago. It might be that, my guess is, that whole Rust Belt area of, okay, we can get you into the steel plant. We can get you into the Ford plant. We can get you into whatever easy blue-collar job. Something you can do without having to know English. Right, sure. Wow. Man, that's amazing. Beer is great. 
not as amazing as his beer. This is a really good beer. <laughs> Shout out First Line. First yeah, Line. Yeah, this is phenomenal. Ass. This is really good. Yeah, absolutely. So when you started, you said that you started as a journalist. What was being a journalist like back then? Because we we all know, I mean, we started off by saying fake news. So like, right. what is what is different <laughs> about journalism back then versus now? That's such an excellent question. And it's got to be the technology. Cell phones, sure. internet constant constant updating on social media uh, i'd rather set myself on fire than work <laughs> in media again like i would go on transit road and collect like pop cans or beer cans before i have to work in media again and, and it's it was such a different world because again you didn't have cell phones you had a six o'clock news and an 11 p.m news and there was no competition for the most part you had three tv stations and that was it in the newspaper so you have to realize there was such a smaller pool of jobs and the salaries were higher. I mean, in 1993, an entry-level position probably made more money in 93 than someone getting hired in the 2000s because mm. it's such a huge pool now with the internet, cable, and, and things that expanded. It was a great time in television because people had money. These companies spent money like crazy. And now, I can't imagine being a journalist now with the competition of always being first, always going on social media, having a, having 24-7 deadlines. I think, you know, one of the best pieces I ever did, an investigative piece, a Buffalo Common Council member who railed against taxes, railed against garbage user fees. We caught him not paying his taxes, not paying his garbage user fees. But I had about a month to work on the story. Now, mm -hmm. these reporters are lucky if they have an hour sure. to work on something. And I, I, I think the industry suffers because of those fast-paced deadlines. And you have a month to investigate, and then you also have ample time to report on what you've found, right? Compared Correct. to now where it's like, why don't we have the answer immediately? And I, realistically, the first case that comes to mind is the black Maserati Buffalo police fiasco of right. was that the is that the mayor's son or cousin or nephew or whoever family member why are they not getting charged mm -hmm. why yeah yeah i i do feel bad for journalists now i i i again i i wouldn't ever work in television news again one because of the salaries are so low now number two i don't want to be sitting at the base of the skyway in the winter saying hey everybody it's snowing <laughs> outside <laughs> We got another blizzard here. True. You know, no thank you. I'm, I'm almost 50. I've got kids. Screw that. No way. Um, but the constant deadlines of always having to update your Twitter and your, and your Facebook. And I'm not one for social media. I mean, truth be told, when I was controller, staff totally controlled my social media. Mm. I didn't even know the password to it. Like, I would have to email them what to post. And it got me, it saved me from a ton of trouble. Because if I had a couple pops in me, and I had keys in my own social media, I'd be in the paper every day. Yep. Turn into big man, number 45. Oh, you start posting Lord. everything. Oh, my Lord. Oh, it saved me so many times. <laughs> um, but that's why I would not want to work in media now mm -hmm. um, compared to when I started in 1993. Was there, like, the biases that there are now? Like, we... The the media now, it's like, so if you are in CNN or Fox, you are, have this pressure to go to one side. Even if the journalists don't really want to, they have to. Was that the same back then? It wasn't. Like, I lived in England, and you just knew that the Telegraph was the Tory graph. That was the, the, the conservative paper. And so with bias and news, yes, it exists, mm -hmm. 100%. But I don't think it's one of those biases where you have like people in a conference room, like, you know, wringing their hands, like, ooh, how are we going to get this person today? I think it's an institutional or, or 
just a bias of those who are attracted to media, that kind of having your brain wired of being an artist, someone who could write, those individuals are attracted to that medium are left leaning by definition. So the bias exists. Their media, media is absolutely bent towards the left, 100%. But I don't think it's a sinister uh, idea of a bias. I think it's just people are wired that way. They're attracted to that field, sure. and then it bleeds into the work. In America, I think media should just be honest the way they are overseas. They're like, yeah, we're a right-leaning paper. And then conservatives bought the, the, the Telegraph. And then mm-hmm. if you're left-leaning, I don't think it was the Daily Mail that was liberal, but whatever the liberal paper, that's what you bought. So I think people would have more respect for journalists if they just said, yeah, all right, we're Fox. Sure. We're, we're right-wing. You know, we're CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, mm-hmm. all the others. It says, yeah, we're, we're left-wing, fine. Turn us off or watch us. I think that'd be the better way to go. Yeah, we were just talking about this yesterday. We filmed a regular episode, and we were talking about the downfall of television in general because no one is staying up to six waiting for the news to come out at six because it's there all the time. So you get these companies that are like not saying that they're politically biased or whatever, but then their hosts are leaving those companies that start their own company, and then they're saying – we have a conservative bias. We have a left bias, which is fascinating to see that transformation now. But even what you guys do, though, I mean, mm-hmm. to have cameras and microphones and basically you can be and you are an established media outlet. Mm-hmm. And you just bought a few thousand dollars worth of equipment. And you're we're sitting in a great conference room. And now you have just as much power as someone who flicks on a television station and, and, and beams channels 247 to someone else. Please don't, please I don't, like don't say that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. But it's true. And it you is do. our last interview. Thank you very much. Ever. <laughs> but it's true. And, and that's what I think is the great part of technology is that right. individuals like you guys can just invest in, in equipment. And you know what? You have as much of a platform now as any traditional media does. Sure. I mean, even at the height of the Lewinsky scandal, the Drudge Report, you know, some guy in his underwear and his boxers and his, you know, tiny little Florida condo <laughs> broke that story. Just, and, and this, I think, is great, uh, a positive of how the technology is changing for the better. Sure. So to get the timeline to then round everything out to how this actually came about with you literally sitting in front of us, because we're both just like, Starstruck at the fact that you're here. It's wild. Did Scott Levin say no or something? <laughs> Levin's in Florida? Like, all right, fine. We'll ask Mahilu. All right. He's in his basement typing away at his computer. We'll ask him to come out. Drag him out of Hamburg. <laughs> right. So you're in you're in that media role for almost 20 years. Yeah. I was gonna say it must have been a good amount of time if you started in the early nineties. Yeah, I started old. in 93. No, I'm 48. Uh, yeah. I started in 93 in Syracuse while I was a student. Came home to Buffalo in 98. And I was just tired of... And look, and I'm, I'm right-leaning. I'm Catholic. I'm very strongly pro-life. And it's one of those things where I just... It drove me crazy having to report and play at middle of the road. Mm. Like, I was really serious about that. I never took sides. I was never biased. And I was turning 40, I guess. It was almost my, my midlife crisis. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I really don't. I was a father at the time, and it's like, screw this. I, I can't do this anymore. And I was very tight with some folks, um, with Chris Collins, uh, former county executive, former congressman. And I helped on his campaign for 
uh, county executive in 2011, and we lost. And that's an, that's an example of where losing was the best thing that ever happened mm. to us. I didn't want to get off the couch for a week. Like, we lost, and I was ready to start my car in the garage. It was, like, brutal. And at the time, yours truly, Chris Grant, who now runs Big Dog Strategies, the company that I work for, former chief of staff to Chris Collins, and we're sitting just like this, like three guys in, in the old Chris's office, and we're like, what are we going to do now? We just lost an election we never should have. This was 2011. And we were kind of like, you know what? Screw it. Let's put our chips in one more time. We're going for it. And it was just, it was that simple where mm. the other Chris goes, points at Collins and goes, you're running for Congress. You're going for controller. Let's go one more time. And we we're kind of like, yeah, all right. You know, unless you're Hindu, you only go on the block once. Let's go. I mean, it was that simple. And that's how we ran for controller in the same year Chris ran for Congress and we won. But we never would have won those races had we not lost for county executive in 2011. That's crazy. Losing so, was the best thing that ever happened to us. So you weren't in the office before. No. So what was that conversation like where he pointed to you and you're like, you're controller? Were you like, all right, let's go? Or yeah. were you like, whoa? Didn't even think twice about it. Nice. Yeah, it, and it was controller was the perfect fit because if you look at the history of Erie County controllers, and this is a crazy stat, no controller in the history of Erie County government has ever had uh, been a CPA. Never. Oh. So you just need to be a good manager and hire good people and run that office. And so it's exactly what I, I did. I just surrounded myself with good people. I knew the budget. I felt very confident I can do the job. The question was winning. I mean, no Republican has ever won in like 40 years in a presidential race because there's such high Democratic turnout. But I didn't want to just sit and say, ah, I wish I would have gone for it. So I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's go. Like, let's go. We've been, we had nothing else better to do. We lost. We had our tail between our legs. And it's like, and I don't like losing. I'm so hyper competitive. Yeah, right. And I'm like, screw it. One more time. Let's go. And it was, it was literally that simple that we went for it. So you already knew kind of like the job roles, identity, things like 100%. that. 100%. Okay. So when he pointed to you, you're just like, okay, that makes sense. And I already know what that's, I think what Derek was alluding to of just like, did you even know what you were getting into, but you just dove into it? Yeah, we did actually, because prior to that, we had, um, you know, the Red Coat Channel 2 investigative team, and my beat was the county budget. Like, I spent more time at the Rath Building at the county legislature than I did at home, seriously. And so that's why I felt really comfortable when they said, Comptroller, like, yeah, I'm in, let's go for it. And the, the challenge, though, was I had to fill Mark Polenkars' last year in office, the, so I had to run just to fill out a one-year term, mm. and they had to run again the next year for a full four-year term. So it wasn't just running once. I had to run two years in a row, which I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. It was hard. Is it the same at this level to get into that position politically and like the polarization or they, you know, do you have your middle school agenda to see if you skip school this day like they did with the Supreme Court nominee? Is it kind of like that or is it not as it is volatile? It is now. Like back in 2012, we did 100% of our money. We just had television advertising and that was it. Because again, the, the, the Google machine existed, but it wasn't anything like it was now. Sure. But it, it drives me crazy. Like people who go into politics and they complain. And they say, oh, it's terrible. You know, they look at your background. You got to raise money. It's like, well, man up. It's what you signed up for. So that's the way I look at it. Like, it's, it's the profession I chose, and I accept it. Does it suck? Yeah. 
I mean, Antifa put my house on Twitter. There were times where, um, you know, the sheriff literally called my house and was like, you get your wife and kids out of the house right now. And we had a cop outside of our house and the, uh, and what people say mean things about me on Twitter is hilarious. <laughs> um, but you know, if I didn't want that, I'd go sell insurance somewhere. Um, but it is, you got to have really thick skin, especially nowadays, because people are just just brutal and and ruthless. Mm-hmm. Whether it's social media, Antifa showing up at my house, putting my house online, things of that nature. Like I, you know, I had a death threat from an inmate, uh, and God bless him, the guy was mentally ill. I did not want him charged, but I was on a victim uh, notification list that every time this guy got out of the holding center, I was notified by police. This guy like mistakenly thought I stole his house on Middlesex. It's like, sir, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. He's just. He's just nuts. Uh, But he did. And the funniest part about it, I can laugh about it now, but he sent me this death threat. And he, you know, inmate, the whole nine yards, uh, inmate number, we knew exactly who it was. You know, I'm going to blow your head off with a Glock. I'm coming after your family. And he signed it, Love Daquan. I'm like, well, at least he was like polite about it. (laughs) Like he signed it, Love. Yours truly. He did. He signed it, Love. I'm like, wow, at least his mother taught him right about that. (laughs) Yeah. But he was trying to kill me. Um, But it's the business you sign up for. Like people complain to you about politics and fundraising. Mm-hmm. And the best advice I was ever given in politics was um, I was bitching about having to raise money. And this lawyer's like, well, you don't have to raise money. I'm like, really? He goes, no. He goes, in politics, there's two types of candidates, those who raise money and those who lose. Which one do you want to be? I'm like, I don't like losing. He's like, well, all right, well, get your ass raising money. So yeah, you know, getting to your question, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But if that's what you sign up for, suck it up and do it and, you know, take it like a man. So then when your first term was over, your first five years, because you ran again for the fourth. Right. Yeah, uh, were you just all in, well, let's keep this train going because I'm already in. Let me just keep running. Yeah. So 2017 was technically my third election, but it would have been like my my second full four-year sure. term. And I said to myself, when I first started, I'm doing two terms and that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to make this a lifetime, you know suck taxpayers dry for a pension, stay here for 30 years. I said two terms and then I'm done. And our election in 2017, my wife is pregnant. We had a cakewalk election. I mean, they really just threw a horrible candidate at me. She had no business running for office. God bless her, but we just destroyed her. And after that, I said, okay, I'm not running for controller again. And I'm either going to go up or go out. You know, unsuccessfully ran for Congress. And then I just figured, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go back to the private sector because that's exactly what our founding fathers wanted. Citizen legislators Love it. don't sit and, like I said, suck a public pension or public salary off of people forever. Uh, and I felt really comfortable getting out. For From your perspective, we've talked about this too, is the whole idea of term limits. I mean, you just said that you, you want to get in and get out. It seems like the general public want term limits like i don't know if i've ever talked to anybody that's like it was a great idea cuomo's been in for so long like regardless of who it is nobody wants somebody in for over eight years so what's the holdup? why isn't there an actual term limit isn't it crazy it's wild yeah well we have term limits for the president of the united states technically term limits for the mayor of new york city but here in erie county in buffalo they don't have term limits or new york state for politicians yeah. and that's the problem it's like these people get in office they start counting their pension. It's almost like prison. I, I do volunteer work in, in with inmates. Mm-hmm. I, I'm part of a, a group that goes into prisons and volunteers. You can ask any inmate in a prison when their bid is up, when their time, and they can give you to the second sure. when they're getting out of prison. <laughs> now, you ask any politician, 
what, when do you get your 20 years in your pension system? And they can tell you immediately to the day <laughs> when they get their 20 years in their pension. And that's wrong. I think it's terrible. You, know, you should go into public service for public service, not self-service. But if the president can have term limits, why are there term limits in Buffalo and New York State? Because of these parasitic politicians that care more about themselves than the people they serve. It's that simple. It's greed, and they're a bunch of pigs. And then it just continues to feed that bringing the wrong people in because now you're getting people that want to go in for the pension because they can stay for as long as they want rather than the people that want to actually affect change, which is wild. I mean, if you fix one problem, it'll domino and affect the rest. You just have to right. put that foot forward. But look at how screwed we are in New York State, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially now because we don't have term limits. You have all these New York City, and they are literally socialists in New York City. Like they, That's their political party. They're the Democratic Socialists. They've been in office 10, 20, sometimes 30, 40 years, and they are controlling all of our state government in New York State. I, I wholeheartedly support term limits. It almost passed in Erie County, uh, and this is where I gained a reputation of hammering everybody, Republicans, Democrats. I was persona non grata one year at the Republican Christmas party because they floated a resolution to support term limits. I'm like, that's great. And then very slowly, or just before the formal resolution was gonna be voted upon, they inserted something that basically says, well, we are exempt, the ones in office already. I'm like, you bunch of, and I went nuts. I'm like, you bunch of hypocrites. I didn't go to the Christmas party that year. They're going to kill me. But I didn't care because how, how can you do that? How can you pass term limits and then say, oh, by the way, I'm exempt? Sure. I, I just thought that was pretty hypocritical. But no, I served two terms, voluntarily gave myself uh, term limits. I told my staff probably about a year out, when I start looking for another job or start, I'm not running again, and you know, they appreciated it, but it was it was a, a wild ride while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. Which brings us to probably one of the most impactful times for you to be in office. And you're like you're, you took like a big sigh, yeah. like there's something building up here. Because wildest ride, <laughs> I know, but it's just it's demoralizing, but it's also exciting because we had someone like you in office to kind of offset some of the insanities that were being at least proposed, um, which. I mean, calm breeds calm, so that's always a nice principle to follow, um, especially in politics. But COVID hits, and New York is, like, all over the place, and no one knows where to go. No one knows if it's okay to turn left or right, and, like, should I leave the house, or what what, what am I supposed to do? Conflicting reports from left and right. Small businesses were getting attacked, and that's kind of what led us to, to this eventual interview because we reached out to you when you didn't have access to social media. And our message to your page wasn't even seen for months. And I right. was like, well, we tried. Yeah, it was fun. It was impossible. Like, you but, just call you know, my gonna... cell phones on the Google machine. You <laughs> just know. call my cell phone. But we don't have, I mean, we're just not wizards like yeah. Antifa, I guess. Your but rotary the... phone doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, w- um, I was actually in the county building dropping off a bid for work. And I passed your office on the floor to go to the other, because I always take the stairs. I hate elevators. So... Um, oh, at the Wrath Building, it's a smart choice. Yeah. Get <laughs> some old man, like, pulling yeah, the sketch. cable up. Very sketch. Yeah. So I, I passed your office, and I'm like, I have time. 
I'm like, is he, is, do you think he's in there? I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, no, he's going to think I'm insane. Like, there's no, I'll just, it's fine. I'll figure it out another way. Did you signed like, a love day, Quan. Was that you? <laughs> no, I, I knew I, it. I would have, I would have wrote like sincerely. But, <laughs> so I, uh, I ended up leaving, but I texted him that day and I was like, seen his office, man. It's huge. I, you should have popped in. I should have. Oh, my office is a dump. You must not have gotten in the back. It was a dump. <laughs> no, the front, the front of it is just oh. like very prestigious. And you're like, I made it, you know, like I'm, I'm here. Selfie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But so, um, some of these mandates come down from higher and then people are getting fined left and right from the health departments and then you're in charge of fines essentially so can you kind of elaborate on that because we have listeners out of state that might not necessarily know the hierarchy in your job right so to backtrack a little bit my in my professional life i was really blessed to have mentors that came from the private sector like when i did some communications briefly for the buffalo public school district uh the former uh ceo of first niagara was gary crosby Hmm. and gary was the cfo of buffalo schools and um just one of the smartest most brilliant but also one of the nicest guys around and so he was a wonderful mentor and then i worked for chris collins and people can say what they want about chris um he's a great man who's very good to my family Great businessman, and there were so many stories of him helping people that never like enter the public domain. So, I've always had the sense of being sympathetic to business people because they're the ones that pay the bill, meaning mm. taxes. Like they are the ones who are actually income generators. They are the ones creating jobs. So, when it comes to COVID in the office of Erie County Controller, um, we were responsible for basically collecting fines, and we heard from so many businesses that said. We can't stay open. We're, we're losing our shirts. We're losing our business. And now the county is hammering us, adding insult to injury mm-hmm. with fines. And one of the things that we control in the Office of Erie County Controller, the chief fiscal uh, officer for the county, was hotel occupancy tax. And all the hotels pay my office, my old office, hotel occupancy tax uh, for folks mostly coming in from out of town. And that helped out with the general budget. So I made a decision, we're not levying any fines or late penalties for people that couldn't pay their hotel occupancy tax. So that was the first step. And it didn't really get a lot of play, but just within the business community, it did. Mm-hmm. They're like, wow, this guy's not going to fine us. I'm like, you could barely keep your doors open. Yeah, right. How can I, with a clear conscience, and how can I sleep at night, then slap you with even more punishment, more punitive taxes? And we just started thinking, it was Robbie De Niro, the gym owner, when... Um, his gym was open and the county fined him $15,000. And I thought, this guy's not only a small business owner, but he's a combat veteran. 15 grand. And that's when I said, okay, what can I do? Similar to how we basically just didn't give anyone fines or penalties for hotel occupancy tax. And I may have had a couple beers with me that night. <laughs> may have. And I thought, you know what? Let's give people 100 years to pay it back. <laughs> I love this. And I'm like half in the bag, and I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yes, get it on social media right now. My staff's like, no, 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 no. Let's talk this through in the morning. And then, you know, sobered up, and I'm like, no, no, this is like a great idea. Because it's going to just piss off every politician. But it actually did help businesses that so chose. How do you do that? Like, what is the back end? Well, as the chief fiscal officer, it's in our county charter that I set accounting policy for the county. It's that simple. So it's a policy. It's a policy, yeah. So I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm setting the policy. 
for a hundred years. For a hundred years. So my deputy controller is looking at me like I have an arm sticking out of my head, and he's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Absolutely." Never been more sure of anything, and. It just said, I wanted to send this signal to the business community that, like, we got your back. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. If this guy's going to, like, basically destroy your business by shutting you down, forcing mandates, you know, not even letting you open your doors, and then he's going to fine you, it's, it's the least I could have done to send a signal to the business community that someone's got your back. And oh, did it create controversy. <laughs> Holy cow. It was hysterical because when that came out, I was at work and I said, did you guys see this post from Stefan? And then everyone's like, hold on. So we all follow you. So we pull up your page, see 100 years, and we're all like ranting and raving and cheering because there's people that own a business, but then like their spouse owns another business and right. everyone's impacted and benefited from it. It's like, how do you know that was a thing? It's like, well, why not? It is now. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, my wife's like, what did you do now? Like, what did you do? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's like, oh God, are the, are the cops going to be here again? Are they going to put our house on Twitter again? But it, at the height of the pandemic, when everything was being shut down, mm-hmm. I just said, businesses need relief. Mm-hmm. They need help. And that's what politics and public service is supposed to be about. You do that to help people, not be punitive and hurt businesses. Because again, most people who work in government, getting back to your term limit question, most people in government never worked a day in the private sector. Right. They wouldn't last a day in the private sector. And they have no clue or concept of how hard it is to run a business, especially in New York State. Yeah. And I just, I just literally wanted to help. And be a little cute with 100 years to pay it back. How long is that in effect for? (laughs) Unfortunately, December 31st, 2021, my last day in office. Okay. I don't know if the new controller has rescinded the policy, but up until I was controller, that was the policy. I haven't heard anything different, so... That's That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So what was the... What was your immediate, like, feedback from that outside of the small business community? Because there had to have been some other people in New York that were like, yo, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the county executive's head exploded. Like, he went nuts <laughs> and wasn't happy about it because it basically took all of the teeth away from big, bad, big government that's trying to hammer and force small businesses to comply with mandates, which I think are just nuts. And um, a mutual friend is very dear friends with Tucker Carlson. And I went to Syracuse University, and I have a lot of friends that do work at Fox and all the networks. And so it really exploded when Tucker called and was like, hey, man, you want to, you know, can you come on the show? He's like, is the Pope Catholic? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) of course. Yeah, I'm going to go on Tucker Carlson. All right, kids, you're not getting fed tonight because I got to go do a live shot with Fox. Yeah. Like, here's a piece of raw meat. Like, enjoy. Daddy's got to go on Fox. (laughs) And that's when it went really. Bananas. Yeah, that's when it went bananas. In a good way, though. In a good way. Like, I got mail from all over the country from people saying, hey, great job. Thank you. And it just it reinforced the position that I took. But that, you had to have gotten a lot of bad mail, too, right? Oh, <laughs> man. You have no idea. My poor wife, like, she is such a saint. My wife, Ashley, she's a social worker. You know, she's not a politician. She's not in politics. Like, And I get sued all the time. And the first time we got sued and a process server shows up and she's freaking out. But like towards the end, she's like, okay, all right, you know, good. Bring it here. (laughs) I'll sign. All right, fine. What'd you do now? Um, 
But yeah, it was bad. I mean, again, the death threats. Um, the worst, though, wasn't really that. The worst was when I stood up for law enforcement and police during the height of the whole Black Lives Matter yeah. and things like that. That's when it got really ugly. Um, but again, it's unfortunate. But I signed up for it and I accepted it and I just, you know, I, I did get a concealed carry mm -hmm. permit to carry a firearm legally uh, in New York State. But um, that is the, the rough part about it. The, oh, yeah, I went, people went nuts. They're like pulling a curly, like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> yeah. Going crazy. So who were you working with, like, close closest to in when you were comptroller were you working with the county executive or, and what is that process like dealing with someone i mean in theory like it's such an interesting question because like mark poland cars and yours truly our offices when we had to work together on items for the county we worked really well together mm. like we had to borrow together we went to conference calls together um, we would pitch Wall Street for a better bond rating, which means we had to borrow at a lower rate. And one time I called Mark, I said, why don't we do a joint press release just for kicks and giggles and see who picks it up? Like great news, we, together, nobody picked up the story. But yet when you know he and I were fighting and hammering, it's front page news. Sure. Um, my client, I guess, was always the Erie County Legislature. You know, the 11 legislators. I technically report, and I didn't report to anybody. Believe me, I didn't report to anybody. But my audits and my uh, reports went to them. And um, it's kind of like a Lone Ranger position. You're, I'm on my own. And it's set up that way purposely so you're not beholden to a county executive or beholden to someone I should be holding accountable. Um, but in the beginning, I talked to Mark a lot. And then towards the end, like, never, <laughs> ever, ever. I actually invited him to drink once. Um, very early on, I'm like, I says, hey, we got our differences. Let's just go for a beer. Sure. And so we go to Pearl Street. I'm wait, you know, I'm sitting there by myself just waiting. And he brought staff. I'm like, you goofball. Like, you, I'm just having <laughs> a beer with you. And you bring, like, work, you know? Yeah. And I just thought, all right, this is a weird dude. And then, yeah, towards the end, we never, ever communicated. And, but our offices did. Sure. Our offices did. I, w I will say that we work very well together. That's good. It was interesting seeing the elevator thing. <laughs> oh, God, what a joke. No, the mask. He's so full of shit. So we're in the elevator. We're in the elevator. And I'm not wearing a mask. I was like, uh, it was a day off. I forgot why I had to go in the office. And I'm like, oh, he's, I got to get in the elevator with this guy. And he was as sweet as can be. Like, and, and the, the running joke is he's kind of like Eeyore. Like, hello, Stefan. I'm like, hey, Mark, what's up? And he was as sweet as can be. He's asking about my wife, how are my kids? And then as I'm getting out of the elevator, no exaggeration, he's like, you know, you, you, know, you should be wearing a mask. I said, oh, you know what, really sorry. I, and I said this. I said, in the future, you know what, I'll try to be a better example and, and I'll wear one. Okay. And then he has this press conference a week later, like, I told him off. I stared him down. I put tape on the knuckles and knocked him around that elevator. I'm like, liar. <laughs> totally lied. Um, and then pulled security camera footage of me not wearing a mask in the building. <laughs> like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, businesses are leaving. Taxes are high. And then, like, the big story of the day is me not wearing a mask. Sure. And security cam footage, like, you know, like I'm OJ or something. Like, I'm some criminal. <laughs> Yet oh, he's joke. playing hockey and he's doing his own. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. people may not like me and believe me, they don't. And they tell me so <laughs> on a regular basis. But like you can never accuse me of being a hypocrite. Like sure, right. you can never like I like with me, like I know exactly where that guy stands. You have one unheard message. <sighs> 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. So good, bad, or indifferent, like me or not, like you know exactly where I stand on everything. That goofball, forget it. Yeah, the elevator thing was hilarious because yeah. I'm like, that's not the conversation that we had, but you know. Embellishment so. sells, though. Oh, did it ever. <laughs> it did it, but he was literally like, okay, you know, could you please? <laughs> and then during the press conference, like, I told him <laughs> off. I kicked his puppy. I knocked his kids around. <laughs> I'm like, you liar. But, you know. How closely do you work with, like, the city, like, the uh, mayor? Very closely, actually, because we share sales tax with the city. We had a great relationship mm -hmm. with Byron Brown and even more so with Mark Schroeder mm. when he was city controller. Um, our offices worked very, very well together. Two separate governments, but we always had a great working relationship. I always say the best idea that I had in government that never went anywhere because I'm the one that proposed it, <laughs> I said we should have sold the Rath building in downtown Buffalo. Because you can, where the county mm. government is, where our offices are, you can shoot a cannon and you're not gonna hit anybody. We don't have thousands of employees like we used to. So I said, sell it to a developer, put it back on the property tax rolls, and why don't we join forces with the city? Well, they'll take the bottom half of City Hall, council chambers in the middle on 13th floor, we can use that for our meetings, everything else, and then the county goes on the higher floors. So you have one centralized government, one office saving money, but I'm the one that pitched it, and it died like, I mean, like that. If a Democrat would have proposed it, it sure, would have passed. Been great in a nanosecond but nobody wanted to give me a win but i thought it was a great idea yeah so but that's yeah it would streamline everything <clears throat> everything and then massive businesses could come in and take up that yeah and a ton of profit yeah from a, oh, because that was even before seneca standpoint. one happened right right you know yeah. many law firms would go in that building for mm -hmm. sure because you've got state supreme court across the street county court across the street family court right next door federal court now right over here city court right over here and then just for the apartments i mean mm -hmm. the view to the lake is gorgeous and it would put it back on the tax roll great prime 
real estate. And it wouldn't have combined the governments of the city and the county. We just would have been in the same building so that, you know, if, if a developer says, wow, I need some permits for the city, mm-hmm. but I need some in the county, you're in the same building. That's a talking point. That's a really good point because it, it's a talking point mm-hmm. with, you know, us people of, hey, I'm trying to pull a permit or I got to get a, like, my birth certificate. So wh- where do I go? And it's two different buildings. And right. you're like, why? Like, what is... I was born here. Like <laughs> right. I live in Erie County. Like what is what is the point? Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I never saw the light of day. Great idea. Yeah, such is life. So the reason that I asked about the mayor is obviously we had the recent mayoral election, and we were talking that it was it's so weird that, and I don't know if this is like this throughout other cities. It probably is, but as people that frequent the city of Buffalo, we didn't have any say in the mayoral election, and it's only specific to city limits. Is that? Has that always been the case? Pretty much. And if you think about it, it's even crazier because there's so many more Democrats in the city of Buffalo. I think it's seven to one or eight to one Democrat to Republican that most of the time this year was, you know, the exception to the rule. Most of the time, the Democratic primary is the election. Mm-hmm. So I have a ton of friends who live in the city of Buffalo who are hardcore Trump conservative Republicans, but they're registered as Democrats because sure. that's the only way they vote uh, in an election. And, and such a minuscule amount of people voted in that primary, and it was scary that those people are the ones potentially who were going to decide who the next mayor was. We were talking about that during our weekly episode of pause. Did people forget to vote that day? Like, did everyone forget that it was that day that they had to go do something? It was embarrassing. Yeah. Right. Out. Terrible. It was 20,000 people voted. For the entire city. For the city of 265,000. And we're, we're just like, people must have forgot. Like, I... Or they were sick. Like, what, well, like, thankfully they on? didn't forget in November. Sure. Thankfully, I mean, yeah. I, and I, I donated to Byron Brown. I supported him in that election against India Walton. I mean, I cannot imagine had the election gone the other way. Right. Although I do, I do like joke with my last name. Like, I'd get destroyed in a write-in. There's no <laughs> way I would win in a write-in. No way. I'd like packing it. No, no. It would just be SM. Right. Like just initials. There's no stamp that even fits that. Like, like, no, we're just, we're done. That's hysterical. I'd have been drinking until November. Like, no. But Byron Brown's pretty easy. But yeah, thankfully. And we were also discussing when Byron won and lawn signs were like everywhere. Um, it was interesting to see the Democratic Party fight when a Democrat won. And they fought over the fact that a Democrat lost, but a Democrat won. Like, that literally makes no sense. Well, like, I think of my mom, God bless her soul. She passed away uh, right after I won my first race. She was a Democrat her whole life. I mean, to the point where when I first ran, she came up to me and she goes, honey, I've never voted for Republican before. I'm like, if my mother's not voting for me, I'm getting my ass kicked. Like, this is bad. But she was dead serious. Like, she's never voted Republican before. But she was like a Kennedy Democrat, Mm -hmm. pro-life, Catholic, not this crazy, like, Mm -hmm. extremist Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Like, and I think in the Democratic Party, you've got moderate, sensible Democrats, who I vote for on a regular basis. And then you've got this extreme wing of the party Mm -hmm. that's just so far out there like the Bernie Sanders, I mean, AOCs, that it's almost like a, you're right, it's like a civil war amongst that party for, are they going to be like sensible middle-of-the-road Democrats or these like way left-wing Democrats that my mom wouldn't even recognize now, Mm -hmm. wouldn't even recognize nowadays. Do you feel like that's also on the right too? 
where we have an extreme and then like classical liberals and liberals are two different things. Right, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt there's extremism on both sides mm-hmm. of the political spectrum. But I would, me, but this is my political worldview. If I'm going to be anywhere, I'm definitely going to be towards the right, mm-hmm. supporting law enforcement, tax cuts, limited government, term limits, things of that nature. It's nowadays, and, and my friend Chris, uh, who owns Big Doc Strategies, the company that I work for now, he said it perfectly. Now you've got to wear a jersey. Like you've mm. got to pick a side now. You're either this or you're that. And people are so personal and insane about their politics now that they judge you based on what jersey you're wearing. Wild. It's nuts. Like, I think half the world took a crazy pill because even what you believe politically, like some of my closest friends are liberal Democrats. I don't care. Exactly. Yeah, right. Who cares? If you're a good guy and a great husband and family man, who cares what you believe in politically? But I think we are are the exception, not the rule. Where you gotta you gotta have a jersey. You gotta pick one or the other, and then you're just branded some nut, depending whichever side you're mm-hmm. on, what jersey you pick. I'm convinced we're all free agents. Like <laughs> because conservatives don't exist anymore, essentially, is what they're trying to say. Like you're either storming the Capitol right, yeah. or you're Antifa. I'm like what or, right. or you're back in the squad. I'm like, there's so many millions of Americans in the middle that are really sick of the divide, and they just want some sense of normalcy now. But I do think that divide exists because of social media. Exactly. I agree with you. It's so easy to just take that phone mm-hmm. and launch an attack, and you don't see that person. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the person you're pounding or hammering. You're just, whoop, and you hit send, and it's gone. Where when I was in office, I really did try to reach out to folks on the other side of the aisle have lunch with them. I mean, I had Betty Jean Grant. I had her in my office many times. We had lunch together. Pat Burke, who's now an assemblyman. Every, like, maybe two months or so, we'd go to the Irish Senate together and have a beer. Like, I, I did, I tried with bowling cards. Um, <laughs> I tried my best to at least be civil about your politics. That, like, you can go to war about your politics, and you shake hands, win or lose, and you move on to the next battle. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. I do think social media is terrible in that respect, where it's just so easy to say nasty things about someone because it's it's just instant. Yeah. And you're not seeing that person who you're attacking, and it's just so toxic because of that. And it's like those type of – everybody on the outskirts are more apt to go crazy on social media. So it's like right. the squeaky wheel really gets noticed. It's like people like us aren't posting every single day attacking somebody because like – we got to work. We got other stuff to <laughs> do. Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like you don't see that from the middle, which then everybody starts like, oh, this is the whole left party. This is the whole right party. It's like, no, that's very extreme. Most people are towards the center. And right. it's just if you go outside and you talk to your neighbor, you'll realize that even though they're on the other side, they're a good person. Right. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, look, we all have this horrible habit called eating. So we have to work and we have to support that habit. Uh, But you're 100% right. And and no matter what your political view is, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, I am conservative. If I go on social media and someone starts talking about how great liberal policies are or socialist policies are, for the most part, I'm not going to (laughs) say, wow, that guy's right. (laughs) Wow. Thank you for enlightening me. I've been wrong for 40 years. You're not going to change hearts or minds on Facebook. So post your kids, post your puppies, and be positive and not add to the toxicity. This might be 
uh, opening up a rabbit hole, but there we go. Let's go. The, yeah, I'm in. The thing that I just don't understand is a lot of people understand that most government officials don't work. Like people in government doesn't work. So I just I never understood that side of saying let's have them more in our life. It's like really you want right. more government? It doesn't <laughs> right. make any sense. Well, and, and and think of it this way: in New York State, it hasn't worked for the past how many years? Right. I mean, I know because now I'm working with. Um, governments all across America with the company that I'm working for now. Most state legislatures, they either don't get paid or the pay is minuscule and they're in session maybe two months a year. Whereas in New York State, these assembly members and senators are getting paid like six figures and they say it's part-time, baloney. For the most part, it's, it's you know, they're there. It's a full-time career where I think government should basically be Again, more about public service than self-service. It should not be your full-time job. I mean, our founding fathers wanted citizen legislators. So I would love a system where our senators and assembly members are truly part-time, not much of a salary. You serve, you go home, you go back to your job, and that's it. Some people get paid more in overtime than I do in real life. <laughs> For oh, 10 years of I had to go there. You had to bring Doctor in the overtime. overtime. <laughs> Doctor Overtime. I love that nickname. Have That's you worked awesome. with her when you uh, were? No, not directly. Our, our, our one interaction long before COVID, we, we, <laughs> it was all about lead paint in the parks. This is kind of a funny story. So our, our parks were just in terrible shape. Uh, this is 2017. And, and I told my staff, get out, get out. We're getting out of the office today. We're going on a field trip. We're going to the parks. We're getting so many complaints about parks. And it was my wife, actually. She was at Chestnut Ridge Park, mm -hmm. and our youngest boy is obsessed with slides. And the slide was so disgusting that my kid, no standards whatsoever. Mm. We have like a five-minute <laughs> rule in my house. He'll eat food off the floor 10 minutes later. Yep. He would not go on the slide. I'm like, that's really bad. Mm. So sure enough, we looked, and there's literally like eight layers of paint. So that's when we decided, why don't we see if there's lead in some of these? And so we took a home test kit. And we tested lead all over the county parks, and the numbers in the in the temporary test were off the charts. I'm like, my kid's probably eating this lead paint off of this <laughs> slide, you know? And so we get right back to the Wrath Building, immediately sent an email to Burstein, the health commissioner, saying, you have lead in your parks. We just confirmed it. We're going to get further testing. There's lead all over county parks where our children are playing. And her response to our email was, you spelled my name wrong. <laughs> and we're like, are you kidding me? You're the hell, and I'm not kidding. We, we mistakenly spelled, misspelled Gale. It's G-A-L-E, but we spelled it G-A-I-L. Sure. And we're like, that's the response that we got? You're more concerned about your name being spelled wrong in an email, like, oh my God, there's lead in our parks. And it just went downhill after that. Totally went downhill after Gosh. that. Gosh, I, I just can't. I really can't. Uh, the overtime is obscene. But I know for a fact she just got served, and there's a bunch of citizens who are suing to try and force her to pay it back. I'd love to make in 10 years what she made in. It's probably already spent. Oh, it's gone. Long gone. I mean, no other. We even called New York City, and they were laughing at us because we're thinking, Bill de Blasio, New York City. If there's a gravy train of overtime in Erie County, mm -hmm. I can't imagine what they're spending in New York City, the <laughs> yeah. Blasio administration, you know? And they were laughing at us. They're like, we, we're not paying our people overtime. We're like, you're not? And they're like, no, that's absurd. We're not paying our commissioners overtime. They knew the salary. We're like, wow, if Bill de Blasio's people get it, 
Certainly not in Erie County. That's wild. Yeah. So going back to COVID, you you obviously ran like with the small business, like let's help small business as much as possible. Since you left, is there is that fight still going on? Or did you change the culture there to be more small business centric? Because they say that they're all small business. Right. I mean, while I was in office, yes. You know, while the watchdog is guarding, mm-hmm. yes, everyone's on their best behavior. I hit the road, and then lo and behold, the village of Williamsville gets hit with a $300 fine for people showing up at their board meeting without a mask. And so I don't think it's any accident that I leave, and all of a sudden now the fines are going up again. The mask mandates are going in again. And that's the unfortunate part of not having like a true watchdog with teeth. I hope people just say enough, Mm -hmm. enough. I'm going to go to a restaurant. I'm not going to wear a mask if that's your choice. Look, if you want to put 15 face diapers on your face, I don't care. Knock your socks off. Go right ahead. That's your choice. Um, So I hope now with me being out of office and more people take that message and say, okay, we're going to visit our restaurants. We're going to support our small businesses. We're going to buy, you know, a bottle of booze and enjoy it at home or go out and enjoy a meal. Uh, I hope that's the case in Erie County now with me being gone. Sure. Fingers crossed. So there's that pause again. Like you're yeah, thinking know, like, oh, here we go. I'm trying to. I was young and needed the, the money. I'm th- I know. <laughs> there. I'm trying to I stay the course. It. Next question. So private sector, what do you think? Love it. You miss it? I love working in the private sector. Yeah. You know, now my Do you wife, want any wine or whiskey or anything? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a sip of wine. Okay. Yeah. Wait, twist my arm. Yeah, All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Say no to boozy. You crazy? Um so my job with Big Dog Strategies, I help elect, uh, elect Republicans all over the country now. That's my job. And so I'm working on uh, governor's races in Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, U.S. Senate races in Pennsylvania, Colorado, hmm. and then House races all over the country. And so I feel as I'm fighting the good fight now for other candidates all across America. But the difference is it's not as... Uh, Exposed, like people aren't seeing that. Um, at some point, will I ever want to get back into government? Maybe. In what capacity? I mean, running for office again or working within a government again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a lot of institutional knowledge of running a, a billion dollar operation that I have that I didn't have before. So I would never say no to going back, you know, to potentially running for office or potentially. Uh, getting in government again, you know, but right now with a, a fourth kid on the way, thank you. Um, do at St. Patrick's Day, so Omahailu, I guess, is the uh, is going to be the baby. Um, I love being in the private sector, away from the limelight a little bit, and we'll see what happens in the next few years. It's interesting too because you're still very active on social media with local politics and how things are being affected within the city yeah now i control my social media look out Mm -hmm. (laughs) look out so they're based in florida though right you said big dog strategies the headquarters is in florida but we have um elections in states all over america do you have elections in new york yes we we do run congressional candidates in new york state it is one of the largest um i see that you know trump bottled here Big Dog Strategies worked on uh, the Trump campaign in 2020, the PAC that helped um, work on President Trump's campaign. So it is a national, you know, Big Dog is a big, big, big heavy hitter in Republican circles across the country. And it's great because I'm using my 
skills now to help elect other other Republicans and other people across the country. It's a great company to work for. So with that lens now, do you see New York turning back red at all? No. Or Buffalo turning red? No, it's all going to be blue? I mean, but then again, if someone asked that question in Virginia six sure. months ago, they would have said no way. I was... That's why I wanted to bring up the private sector, because I remembered you said that you're dealing with national elections. That race, I just had a conversation with a a very good friend of mine who's progressive, um, leaning left, and he goes, what are you even talking about? And I said, dude, literally moms in the state were sick of the curriculum being taught to their own kids going a certain way. They didn't agree with it. And the incumbent was saying... I'm not doing this. Like I'm the curriculum is going to go back to the way it essentially was. We're removing uh, all of the things that are being implemented like CRT, et cetera. And moms turned out and voted in record numbers and then got him in office. And that's exactly what happened. He's stayed true to his promise, which is another massive can of worms. Like is a politician actually going to hold true to their campaign promises? And he did. And it drastically helped the state. And there's elements of that in New York, and we're seeing a lot of people pull their kids out of public school and put them into private Catholic schools because they don't want any type of curriculum being skewed except for the addition of you have to go to religion once or twice a week. Well, it's CRT. Or mass, rather. It's mass. I mean, look, we, we have a three-year-old and a two-year-old right now. My kids won't keep their pants on. <laughs> They're not going to put a mask on. I mean, serious. They, they right. walk in the door and like, boom, they're naked in like 30 seconds. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> they're not keeping a mask on. You're like, I wasn't even that good. No, of course not. <laughs> but you know, it's to the point where my wife and I are, are in that boat. We're like, mm-hmm. we're either going to send them to St. Peter and Paul in Hamburg or we're going to homeschool. But New York State hopefully could be a microcosm like Virginia where people just say enough. Because if you look at the raw data of population, registered voters, there's I would say there's zero chance of a Republican winning in New York State. Like zero. But the same was said in Virginia. Mm-hmm. There's no way Republicans gonna win the governor's race. And yet so many people angry about critical race theory, basically teaching your kids they're evil because they're white. Mask mandates, vaccine mandates, where we're hopefully, you know, people say enough. And those moderate Democrats say, all right, what we've done the past 60 years hasn't worked. I'm going to give Lee Zeldin a shot, who's a congressman running for governor on the Republican line. I support Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know him well, and I think he's, he would be a great governor. Um, but hopefully, I think he's got a shot. I think you're right. I think this is the – if there's any year to do it, it's going to be this year. Yeah, and I really hope he gets in. Cause Even his like, last one, Molinaro, he had a good turnout for how like popular Cuomo was. Like He right. still pulled in, what, 35% of the vote? Like, that was pretty point. impressive. Yeah, in the People's Republic in New York, that's like a big number. Yeah. yeah. But I do think Lee Zeldin could be the next uh, – Virginia Republican governor candidate. This is the year to do it. And Other I think, than that, we're done. And I think the thing that really helps him, too, is the prior service aspect, because a lot of people are starting to recognize on the federal level that if you're the commander-in-chief as president, why haven't you not served in the military when you're the highest-ranking military officer, essentially, in existence? Like, everyone has to salute the president. How come that person has never served, but then he can just greenlight massive operations that he has no idea what it's about? His cabinet does, right. and the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And the other thing that's really hurting curriculum is Common Core within our state, and then the public schools budget's getting slashed 
by upwards of 25, 30%. I mean, it's crippling schools because they're struggling to support themselves as is with school tax within the district. I mean, you're, you're seeing in West, in West Seneca where mm-hmm. property taxes, you just posted about oh, it, are again going up. Wild. And then in Hamburg, it's not cheap. I mean, there are certain and homes in, in Hamburg. Yeah, and there's certain, yeah, which is insane, but there's also homes in Lakeview where your property taxes are also $9,000 a year. And you're like, for what? My backyard is someone's front yard. And it's just cookie cutter homes on top. Then they add HOA fees. Right. You know, so what are, what are we really gaining here? And I think a lot of people are sick of that, specifically teachers, where Common Core handcuffed their ability to teach. Mm-hmm. And what's the sense? I'm sorry, I'm on a rant, but what's the <laughs> sense of having an uneducated society? specifically state residents that are going to be working inside of your state. Wouldn't you want them educated? Why wouldn't you not fund education? And that goes to the next, it's a perfect springboard to the next point of, we have two choices now. Mm -hmm. We fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We stick around in New York state and we say enough. We're going to fight back and we're going to elect like-minded people, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, doesn't matter what party you're in. So we fight or we get the hell out of here. We go to Florida, where just by moving to Florida, your income goes up by 10%. Yeah. Because you're not paying state tax anymore. You're not paying uh, as much taxes as you are in New York State. I mean, we mentioned Michael Caputo before. I went to go see Michael uh, in December. I took my family down to Florida, and it was great. We went to the zoo in December. We mm-hmm. went to a you know water park in December. We went to the beach in December. You know, our my family's income would automatically go up by 10%. So would all of ours if we just move there. But I, I love it here. Mm-hmm. This is home. And I think everybody has that shared idea of how sad is it that we feel like we're trapped like an inmate, that we're not going because of family. We're not going. Where if we, we had our druthers, I'd be gone yesterday. Sure. Yeah. And that's the, that, that is what, what it all boils down to, fight or flight. We're either going to stick around and say, enough, we're going to let guys like Lee Zeldin or, again, like-minded moderates or conservatives to say, what we've done in the past 60 years is not work, we're going in a different direction, or turn off the lights and we're gone. Do you think that that is going to, that number is going to skyrocket if Lee doesn't win and the conservatives are going to get up and just leave because this was our last chance and we're, we're done because there's no hope now? Well, and he, he, you're 100% correct because... Um, the one story no one is talking about is redistricting. It's the most boring, bland topic, but it's going to be the most influential issue that's going to face New York State for generations. So every 10 years, lawmakers redraw the lines for districts, the congressional districts, the state assembly, state senate, what areas you represent is all redrawn by law every 10 years based on population. Right now, Democrats have a supermajority in the Assembly, Senate, and obviously the governor's office. So Democrats control 100% how those districts look. So if we don't have a Republican governor in the office in 2022, the Democrats are going to redraw these lines so they have a permanent majority forever, which means New York City socialists and Democrats will control New York state government forever. And if we don't have a Republican in the governor's office serving as a check and balance, we're done. And that's why when you see the new maps, everyone talks about, oh, redistricting the new maps, reapportionment. Most folks don't understand the process of how important that is. But what the Democrats are doing is they're taking two incumbent Republicans. So, for example, Pat Gallivan and Ed Rath are incumbent senators right now in different districts. The Democrats drew them in the same district. Mm. So one of them is going to be out. 
and one of them is going to be remaining a senator, but all of a sudden they protected all the Democratic districts. So that's why the governor's race is so important this year for a check and balance, because when it comes to the, the, the district lines that are drawn, Republicans are gone forever. When is that happening? The redistricting? This year. Really? Yeah. Maps have been proposed. They're, it's going to wind up being in court, but we, we're going to know this year what the new maps and the new districts are going to look like, and it's going to be a bloodbath for Republicans. Bloodbath. That's terrifying. It's scary, actually. Yeah, again, New York City socialists literally will control state government forever. And what's frustrating is that there's, my opinion, I have to preface, there's too many people on one side of the aisle that think that that's great because their party wins. And that can go for both sides. When the right recently had all three powers of government and controlled it, it was like a win. And then the left gained it back with Biden and it was a win on the state level. You and I talk about this all the time. It literally directly impacts our pockets. Well, I can tell you as the taxpayer watchdog government works best is most responsive to the people when there are strong checks and balances, mm-hmm. you know, and I bust polling cars and chops all the time, but he did his job very well. When Chris Collins was County executive, he served as a very strong check and balance on a Republican County executive. The system worked and he didn't like it. When I served as controller, but the system worked, mm-hmm. there were at least checks and balances. And that's when uh, government is most responsive to the people. And you're right. Extremism on both sides of the spectrum is dangerous. And if we don't have a check and balance in the governor's office, those are gone. And we are going to have those New York City socialists and Democrats controlling all of New York state government, basically, literally forever. Do you ever, this is floated around like over two years of the new Amsterdam where we're getting rid of New York City. Is that ever even possible? Never going to happen. Is it all money? Is it all because of money? Well, it it has to go through so many legislative hoops in order for it to become reality. Like the state has to approve it themselves. And there's no way they're going (laughs) to break off no way. I mean, there, there's snowball's chance in hell. It's and too it's much money. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Ever. In theory, it's a great idea. Sure. If we can separate from New York City and be our own little red area. Because when you look at the map. It's wild. Right. It's, you saw the last governor's race. It's like Buffalo was blue. Syracuse was blue. Albany was blue. And New York City was blue. Everything else was red. Right. Every single other place in New York was red. Right. But it's a great idea. Never going to happen. <laughs> and New- Buffalo turned blue late. Yeah. Late. And it it was the Malins that delayed it, switching to blue, but everyone thought that it was red for right. multiple days. And then it finally came out, and they're just like, no, there were Malin votes, and it's like, oh, no. Yeah, that drives me crazy. Like, most times in New York State now, because of, like, the mail-in balance and everything else, Republicans winning on election night. And then it's a tsunami of all these... Democrat votes, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're a winner for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then the numbers get back. They'll go, oh, got to find a job. No, we lost. Um, but no, wild. you're 100% right. It's, it's wild. It's very interesting. So what's next? Are you, are you basically just going to keep crushing the, the private sector and working with this company to try to help the... Because I feel like your motivation is just establishing checks and balances and redoing what the founding fathers initially intended. Is that your your push for the next couple of years? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I love politics. I'm a political junkie. I love public service. And, you know, this new job with Big Dog Strategies, I love it because right now I'm using the skills that I have to help like-minded people get elected all over America. 
I mean, I feel like I've, I've hit the lottery. I, I love what I do. Um, baby on the way. You know, my wife's very happy that I'm out of politics. Yeah. She's not she's not meeting process servers anymore. <laughs> I'm getting sued. Way less stress. Right. And then she's not hearing like, can you believe what they said about your husband? She's like, yes, I can believe <laughs> it. Can yes. Believe it. <laughs> totally. Yes. Um, she's not getting those texts anymore. Um, but who knows? I mean, look, no matter what you do, I mean, you know, to be philosophical, I guess, you know, we're, and this is like such a somewhat deep thought, but I think no matter what we do, I think we are all blessed with gifts and talents. Mine's different than, than you guys. Mm -hmm. I can't paint a picture. I really can't play basketball that well. So never begin, but I feel as though my gift is communication. So I think whatever our gift is, we have to use that to love and serve others. And I tried my best to do that, whether it was in journalism or politics, like to use that skill set to make our little corner of the world a better place to live. And so if my skill set was mopping floors, hey, I would have been the best janitor at Walmart for my entire life. So I guess I just, you know, pushing 50 and with kids, you know, I, I got to find something that pays the bills. But I also just want to figure out what my path is to use those skills to love and serve others. And right now... The best way to do that is with big dog strategies and help other Republicans get elected. So going back to the small business aspect and kind of talking around that, because I think that through your pushes with all the small business stuff that you've done since COVID and people really understanding that small businesses have been really impacted with it, how can people outside of voting, even though voting somewhat doesn't matter because New York State's staying blue, but from outside of voting, how can people help small businesses and like help these businesses continue to flourish regardless of the legislation that's going on in New York? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say if you're a bar or restaurant, take one night a week and go. Regardless of COVID, regardless of mandates, you know what? Try your corner diner, have breakfast somewhere. You know, buy a, a bottle of a booze here. I can vouch for it. The beer and the wine's fantastic <laughs> from personal experience. Um, but I do think voting is the most important thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll never forget when, you know, again, my immigrant family, it was such a blessing when they were able to vote for the first time as Americans. I mean, that just makes our country great. And there are our elections, like look at Niagara County. Mm -hmm. There was an election in Niagara County for the legislature, a very big position within public service that was decided by one vote. So you hear that adage all the time. Well, my vote doesn't count. These politicians suck. They never listen to me anyway. I don't vote. But I think that is the most important thing to do is vote. And if you, if you do have a politician that you do support, throw them some money. Like that really does make a difference when it comes to supporting your elected leaders. They do need support. But I think the most important thing is to vote. That um, like-minded people in big groups, voting blocks, mm -hmm. you can make a difference. But if politicians know certain neighborhoods are not going to vote or certain groups of people are not going to vote. They just won't care. So I would say get registered to vote, <laughs> vote early, vote often, um, and organize and get involved. Um, I think people that I call, I call them citizen activists, people who never expected to be involved in politics or public policy like this Robbie De Niro. Mm -hmm. Like he never thought he would be in the public domain or he would be a leader in the community when it comes to fighting for small businesses. He gets hit with a $15,000 fine and he fought. So if there's people like critical race theory, you know, we mentioned before about people being angry about it. You know, if you're a mom and you're angry about it, 
run for school board, run for office. Like you can make that change and make that difference. If you're angry about taxes, run for your town board, mm-hmm. lower your taxes that way, or, or, or run for school board and lower your, your school budget in that capacity. Like people can make a difference. They just have to get up off their ass mm-hmm. and vote or run for office. It's, it's really, it is that simple. It really is. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. We have a choice. Yeah, right. You know, we have a choice. We can bitch and moan about it or do something about it. I chose to do something about it. Sure. And like I said, my friend Chris is the one that won that race in, in Niagara Falls, Niagara County, by one vote. So I don't want to hear anyone that says, my vote doesn't count. I don't care. But, you know, again, all these moms who are angry about critical race theory or mask mandates or vaccine mandates. Okay. Run for school board. Sure, do something about you it. You can be the one that makes a difference. And mm-hmm. it, again, that's why I say like our special gifts, we use them to make our little corner of the world a better place to live. You don't need to run for president. Run for school board. Mm-hmm. Make your little corner of the world a better place to live. It's that simple. So now since you have your social media back, where oh, can people my. find you? Um, <laughs> if you can spell my name. Yeah, <laughs> this is the first challenge. Right. I don't want to go down some like really, really bad. If someone's got like a, a account similar and they misspell it by one word, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. um, so just go to the Google machine and type in as best as you can, Stefan Mahailu, or just smash your keyboard <laughs> and whatever comes out. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> the Google machine will recognize it as Mahailu. Trust me. Yeah. So I'm on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. Just go to the Google machine, type in my name as best as you can, and then you can find me that way. How do you spell it for people that are listening? <laughs> M-Y-C-H-A-J-L-I-W. How long did that take you as a kid to learn how to spell your last name? Oh, forever. <laughs> College was fun, though, because, you know, you do the roll call first day of class. Yeah. And I it would always get to the M's, and I would say, I'm not saying anything. I want to see what this guy <laughs> says and how he butchers my highlight. And he'd be like, you know, merit, mm, and I would not let him off the hook. I'm like, you're going to try and say my <laughs> But for our, our first daughter, we sang the Mickey Mouse song, M-Y-C-H-J-J-L-I-D-L, and that's how we oh, taught okay. her to say my That's amazing. That's how I'm going to remember now, honestly. Right. I don't, but <laughs> yeah. my poor wife, God bless her. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. We really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Uh, let us know if you want him back on again, because we would love to touch base with you um, as we Mark continue Poland growing Cars everything. Mark Poland Cars Buffalo says no. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, go follow him on social media. You just heard his last name. I don't remember how to spell it, so just rewind 15 seconds and hear it there. But seriously, thank you so much for everything that you've done for the uh, county and you. uh, you're welcome back whenever. So Thanks, thank guys. you very much. Great beer, great wine, great atmosphere, and thank you. Absolutely. Of course. Cheers, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.